Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the 10th and Broad Church of Christ podcast. Today's message is presented by Ken Holsberry, the preaching minister at the 10th and Broad Church. Let's tune in now for Ken's message. Well, you can be in the presence of royalty and not even know it. Last year, we, uh, along with the rest of the world, watched and mourned at the death of Queen Elizabeth, and there were a lot of stories told about her life, a lot of inspirational stories, one that I really appreciated, maybe more than uh, many others, is was told by a man named Richard Griffin. She was, he was with the queen, he was her protector, and this particular story took place when she was in, at her castle in Balmoral. And while she was there, she loved to take walks in the Scottish Highlands. And Richard always walked with her. One day, as they were walking along a trail in those Highlands, they came across two Americans. It became clear very quickly that the two Americans had no idea that they were in the presence of royalty. They began to say hello to each other. The queen commented on their accent and asked where they were from. They answered they were from America. They asked where she was from. She said that she lived in London, but that she had a holiday home in the area. Well, they asked her how long she had been coming to the area. And she said, well, my entire life, so over 80 years. And they brightened up and they said, is it possible that in all those years you met the queen? She looked them deadpan and said, no, I've never met her, but Richard meets her all the time. <laughs> so they, she brought Richard up and they were just so interested and they wanted to know all about the queen and when he had met her and where, what was she like? And he said, because of the relationship that he had with her majesty, he looked at her with a twinkle in his eye when they asked what she was like. And he said, well, she is rather mischievous. And has a very good sense of humor. They then wanted to take a picture of themselves with Richard. And so handed the camera to the queen. And asked her to take their picture. Which she did. And then he suggested. They were not as excited about it. But he suggested that maybe they would want their picture with her as well. And they did. And then they said their goodbyes and said they couldn't wait to get back to America and show people their picture with the man who knew the queen. (laughs) He says that when they continued their walk, she giggled and she said, I would love to be on the fly on the wall when they show their pictures to their friends. You can be in the presence of royalty and not even know it. It happens every December. We decorate our homes. We watch our favorite movies. We fix our favorite foods. And somehow Christmas gets reduced. Reduced to our happiness. Instead of acknowledging that the King of Kings has come. We all know from Matthew and Luke that they acknowledge the birth of the king in their Gospels. Many of us don't think John does, and he didn't in his Gospel, but he does 
in his revelation. And so in Revelation, John helps us understand just how big, just how cosmic Christmas really is. And so would you listen from Revelation chapter 12? A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and she cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. An enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. And the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth. So that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son. A male child. Who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Well, whatever else you can say about John's vision, it's clear he wasn't depicting a merry little Christmas. First of all, he sees a woman. Some have wondered, does she represent Israel? Does she represent Mary? Does she represent the church? I think very possibly the answer is yes, that she represents A hope. She's pregnant. She's pregnant with messianic hope. The coming of this king. Then he sees a dragon. None other than Satan himself who is committed to the destruction of the coming one. Then he sees God. God who frustrates the devil. God who protects the woman. And all that she represents. And the child and all that he is to do. And then John sees a war and it starts in heaven, but it's it's moved to earth. And what Matthew and Luke give us is, is an earthly account of the birth of Christ. An earthly perspective of the Christmas story. But here I think John is giving us a heavenly one. He's given us heaven's perspective. John's revelation draws back this curtain and it lets us see 
into the spiritual realm what is happening at the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. God drew back this curtain because he knew that John's readers then and now would benefit from an understanding of just how cosmic Christmas really is. Because then and now life can be hard. Especially if you follow Jesus. Now remember when John wrote the revelation, he is on the island of Patmos. He is there because he's being punished. He is suffering because he follows Jesus. He's writing to a church who is also suffering for their faith. Some of them were suffering socially. Some of them were suffering economically. Some of them were suffering with their lives. And notice that if, as we've studied the revelation before, John does not say, hang on, it's going to get better. It's not what John says in the revelation. Because it may not get better. In fact, it will probably get worse before it gets better. Which caused them and causes us to ask the question, why? If Jesus is on the throne, if Jesus is the king, if Jesus is the cosmic king, then why? If Jesus is on the throne, why did the cancer come back? If Jesus is on the throne, why did my parents get a divorce? If Jesus is on the throne, why can't my son break free of his addiction? If Jesus is on the throne, why is there another war in the land in which he was born? If Jesus is on the throne, why are not more people bowing down before him and honoring him as Lord with their lives? If Jesus is on the throne, why do so many in our culture look at us with hostility and with anger for simply holding convictions that Bible believers have held for thousands of years? Jesus is on the throne. Why are people dying Every day around the world because they obey his commands and hold to his testimony. If Jesus is on the throne, why? And what God knows and through John, what God shows is that there is an unseen reality that is as real as the seen reality that you and I view every day. And we need a glimpse of what is going on in that unseen reality. We need a glimpse of what is going on above us to help us figure out how to live and how to deal with what is going on around us. We need to see how huge Christmas really is. Because heaven's perspective is indispensable. And the reason we we too often despair is not because our problems are so big, but it's because the lens through which we view our problems and through which we view the world is really way too small. See, the the Kool-Aid of our culture, I heard somebody say it that way the other day, the Kool-Aid of our culture is that you need to follow your heart. That you just need to be you. That that you need to go find your own truth. And, And church, before you start applauding because you think that I'm talking about a few hot button issues, you need to think again because every single one of us drink the Kool-Aid of the culture. 
And it comes out in our decisions and in the way we live and the way we talk. Because here's the honest truth. The universe couldn't care a flip about my little story. Or whether I find myself. There's something much bigger going on than me. And Christmas, especially from John's perspective, says there's something really huge going on. And there are, I am a part of the story, but I'm not the main character in the story. The main characters are a dark Lord and a promised king, and they are in cosmic conflict. And my part every single day is to decide which one I'm going to bow down to, whose sovereignty I'm going to acknowledge, which kingdom I'm going to be a part of. Which set of rules and laws and morals and ethics I'm going to follow. That's my part of the story. To align myself with the king. And so this story acknowledges that right now this earth is dragon territory. Right now, this earth is dragon territory. And there is a reason there is so much evil and there is so much hatred and there is so much suffering and there is so much pain and it is because the dragon has been thrown down to the earth. And he is behind all the principalities and all of the powers that the Bible talks about. That are behind the suffering in the pain and who afflict God's creation and God's creatures, especially those who call on the name of Jesus because he's after the woman and her offspring. And so we need to see what's going on in the unseen world so we can make better sense of what's going on in the seen world. We need to know what the dragon knows. Because the dragon knows that this story does not end well for him. The dragon knows that this child was born not to hold a rattle. This child was born to hold an iron scepter over which he will rule all of the nations. And the dragon knows that Jesus truly is the king of the universe. And the dragon knows that God's kingdom is invincible. See, notice that there is nothing in the story that the dragon is actually able to have any effect on. The dragon cannot stop the story from playing itself out the way God has decided it will play itself out. See, the dragon wants to devour the child, but he fails. The dragon wants to defeat Michael, but he fails. The dragon wants to destroy the woman and her offspring, but he fails. And Revelation is calling on us to recognize what's really going on, what's at stake, who's at battle, who is going to win, so we can decide who we're going to bow down to. But we better choose wisely. Because of the two kingdoms, only one will remain. 
and only one will stand, and only one has a future, and only one will last. And John saw a child born to hold a scepter and rule the nations. And he pulls that line directly out of Psalm chapter 2. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the Holy Spirit inspired a song about this moment revealed in Revelation. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and his anointed saying, this is the king saying this about the Lord, let us go break their chains and let us go throw off their shackles. How does God respond? The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The best laid plans of the greatest kingdoms in the world and God laughs. The Lord scoffs. He rebukes them in his anger and he terrifies them in his wrath saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth, your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron and you will dash them to pieces like pottery. That's the psalm from which John took that line. And what John was saying to those early Christians who were trying to survive and what he is saying to us who are still trying to decide is that they had to decide if it would be easier and if it would be better in the long run just to go ahead and bow before Caesar. And every generation has its Caesar. Caesars who demand that we put their agenda first. But don't do it, church. Because every Caesar's kingdom has been destroyed. And every Caesar's kingdom will be destroyed. Every Caesar and every kingdom in every age will be overthrown. Because every kingdom that has ever existed on earth is under the kingdom and under a throne. And there is one who sits on the throne. And it will always be occupied. And it will never be threatened. And while the devil can go... And do everything he wants to do. He can do nothing to change the big story. And how it will end. Now I'll be honest with you. I cannot tell you. I do not understand. Why God has put up with the dragon for so long. That's beyond my comprehension. And God's people have been praying for generations. For Jesus to return. To finish this story. And one of these days, God is going to answer that prayer. And when he does, he's going to banish the dragon to the pit forever. And so the dragon and his empires, and his empires aren't just political. There are forces in the world that are far more powerful than any governments when it comes to accomplishing the dragon's agenda. No matter how powerful they may seem... The dragon and his empires will never be able to extinguish God and his kingdom and his son. And so for us, there is no reason to be intimidated by this dragon. He has always failed and he will always fail. 
Psalm 145 says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all the generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. And so cosmic Christmas is heaven's announcement to the prince of the world that his illegitimate reign will not last. That Jesus' reign is inevitable. And and at the birth of Jesus brought the rightful king to the earth right in the midst of dragon territory and that we're being called to reorient our lives around that truth. And so, again, from Revelation 12, listen to what heaven said when Jesus came. Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ. This is so important because John was writing to a persecuted church. He's writing to suffering people, to brothers and sisters in one kingdom under intense pressure to bow down to another kingdom in order to make it. And again, they continue to ask why, but the revelation gives an answer and it's who. This is the vision that came to John on a Sunday morning on Patmos. A vision of one like the Son of Man. His hair white as snow. His eyes like flaming fire. His face burning like the sun. He speaks and it sounds like mighty waters. A double-edged sword protrudes from his mouth. This is no Jesus meek and mild. This is Jesus as King. And this is what that Jesus says. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth this is what christmas is all about the acknowledgement of this cosmic king who conquered death and who will rule all the nations and he is a king who is big enough to reign in your suffering to reign through your suffering and to be still reigning after your suffering is through i heard a preacher say this phrase the other day that this revelation is a rebuke to what infects many of us and he called it pessimillennialism And the revelation says to those of us who are infected with pessimillennialism, see, I can't even say it. The revelation says to those of us who get that to stop being so afraid. To stop despairing. To stop putting hope in the empires of men. We pray because the Bible teaches us to pray. We pray for presidents and we pray for prime ministers and for, for everyone else in authority. But our allegiance and our hope is in the king of the universe. And his name is Jesus. And our hope is in his return and in his reign and in his rule. Because he, he is the only one who will ever be able to put an end To the suffering and the pain and the agony that we experience on this earth. 
So Christmas is a vision of the absolute sovereignty of the king and the absolute futility of the dragon. And, and the prophets saw this hundreds of years before. Zechariah, Zechariah 14.9 says, The Lord will be king over the whole earth. And on that day, there will be one Lord and his name, the only name. And see, when that day comes, no one will fail to realize that they are in the presence of royalty. Royalty. 